0: hammer and
1: nigel Can you believe these characters are weirdos on 93 wibc so let's rock it. hey now beer sample friday here at the hammer and nigel show i'm jason hammer producer allison is here we got matt bear harrison silcox and tony kennett at the tonus on twitter filling in for big nige one more day today And Tony, let's start in your wheelhouse. Let's talk a little education here in the Hoosier State by a 65 to 29 vote. Indiana House Republicans advanced a bill yesterday that would require the public school teachers to inform parents about their students' social transitions, pronoun changes, things like that. Doesn't seem like that would be too controversial of a topic. The bill now moving on to the Senate, which would additionally prohibit schools from disciplining teachers or staff who use a name, pronoun, title, or other word to identify a student that is consistent with the student's legal name.
2: So it's a very comprehensive, simple bill. That's really all there is to say. It bans sexual education uh, on sexual content that's kind of disturbing, gender identity stuff uh, from K to three. And then number two, it uh, keeps... Uh, schools from using pronouns or name changes for student without parental permission. That's really all it does. And yet it's being lambasted as this terrible, don't say gay bill that erases gay people from existence and it's going to be horrible and terrible and all of this other stuff. And I got to tell you, man, I'm sick of it. At the end of this long week, people renting their clothes in the street, gnashing of teeth, wailing, horrible, horrible, oh, it's so terrible and awful. No, it's not. There is nothing in this bill that suggests anything about the elimination of LGBTQ2IA plus whatever. It keeps sexual content out of elementary classrooms. That's a good thing. Quit whining. All All of the Democrat representatives, the Indiana ACLU, the Indiana Democrats are lying very overtly. To a lot of gullible people who should be at work, who should be doing things that are productive, who have instead all gathered around at the statehouse this week to whine and yell like a bunch of screaming child buffalo. It's ridiculous.
1: And we've been talking about this for a while. And I'm at the point now where I'm done trying to be nice with lunatics who want to bring sex into the classroom of young kids. And again, I think age is important here. I feel like the age is being left out of a lot of the talking points here, Tony. Right. We're not talking about high school students. We're not even talking about junior high students, kindergartners through third graders. I don't think it's asking too much to keep your sexual preferences to yourself. And just teach these kids, teach them how to count, teach them the alphabet, teach them uh, the 50 states of the United States, things that kindergartners through third graders need to know. Stop trying to come out to the classroom. No, we see that a lot on social media right now. And And we'll get to that here in just a moment. But I'm tired of trying to be nice to these people. And I'm tired of trying to be nice to media outlets who continue to say this is Indiana's don't say gay bill. First of all, there was no don't say gay bill. Nothing in Florida, because let's be honest, that's what they're referencing here. Nothing in the state of Florida's bill had anything about don't say gay in it. It's been an activist talking phrase. It's been a lie. Just like hands up, don't shoot. It was a narrative that the media ran that never happened and was a complete lie. And there are people in this city news reporters and agencies in this city that are still
2: running with that crap. And they're not only really running with that crap, they're they're laying huge, heinous charges and crimes at the feet of the Republican legislators, even Democrat legislators in the Education Committee. While in the hearing uh, of the Education Committee on 1608 on Monday, I watched as Representative Pfaff claimed all of these nonsensical, goofy, stupid things about the bill. Representative Vernon Davis said that this bill would allow teachers to call a kid fat. And, and it was the stupidest claim I've ever heard about a piece of legislation. And this man has been serving in the
1: Indiana legislature for years and years. The man can't read a two-page bill. Vernon De- Davis, Ugh. representative from Gary, who you're talking about, the Democrat, says that sexual content and gender identity is not being taught in schools right now that's why this bill is such a waste of time your response
2: there are two problems with that number one it is being taught in schools we've seen this around the country we've seen this in the state of indiana in which schools are asking specifically for teachers to keep a child's gender uh, identity and expression hidden from their parents schools are are utilizing things like gender changing closets in, in their buildings number two if there is truly nothing going on then why do you have an issue with the state house banning it Protective measures and laws are passed all the time. If it isn't happening here, it's just happening somewhere else, then why do you have a problem if that's banning it? The explicit language of the
1: bill is very clear. Michelle Davis is a state rep from Whiteland. She's a Republican. She's the author of this bill.
3: Listen, parents should not be cut out of the decision making for their kids. Schools should not shield a parent from knowledge about their child. In Indiana, we know that parents have a right to be involved in the upbringing of their children.
1: I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think that's controversial. And if you're somebody that wakes up in the morning and feels like sexual content and gender studies need to be taught to your kindergartner, then there's nothing we're going to have common ground on. And I will fight anybody that feels like this is legislation that needs to happen to these young kids. Again, young kids, kindergarten through third grade. And the reason why I think this is a big deal, Tony, is just from some of the things you see on social media. What some of these young, woke, progressive teachers right out of college want to discuss with your kids. And if you want to have some fun, just go to the Libs of TikTok account. They retweet a lot of these lunatics just using their own words. Nothing is doctored. This is their platforms, their TikToks, their posts on Instagram, just put out there for the masses to see. Now, I'm going to play you some of these things. This is the uh, teacher who had young kids and was very happy to let them know about the change in her
4: pronouns. I told all my students that my pronouns are they, them, and that my honorific is mix. A few of my students had some questions and we were able to talk about those, um, but I wanted to tell you about two of my students that just made my heart sing and made me feel so validated. Uh, one of them, she put in the chat, ah, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and then one of my other students, maybe like half an hour after we had talked about that, had a question and put in the chat, mix, da, 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 here's my question. Um, and it was just, so validating to see mix pop up on the screen instead of miss. And I just it made my
2: day. So you and Nigel asked me uh, over a period of weeks ago why it was that these adults are going into classrooms, into elementary classrooms, and are uh, are explaining their sexual identity and their desires and what they like in the bedroom to students. And I told you the reason was is because they are sad, pathetic, lonely people who need validation. They can't get it from anyone else because everyone else looks at them with disdain. And so they go and they get it from children. There you go. You just heard a grown woman telling her students that she seeks their validation. Oh, I'm coming out as they them to my kids. And they just told me I was so great. And it just felt so validating and wonderful. How pathetic must you be to seek your sexual validation from not just minors, very small elementary students from the ages of five to eight? It's gross. It's disgusting. And damn
1: right it should be banned in the state of Indiana. These are the people you have to fight back against. I'm sorry. These are the people that are coming out to your kids, talking about their sexual preferences, their genders. Nobody gives a damn. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're straight. Teach my kid math. Teach my kid English. Teach my kid history. I don't think that's asking too much. Here's another example. This is another teacher of very young kids from the Libs of TikTok account. All
3: right. We have to talk about this right-wing idea of parents' right. It's literally just fascism.
1: Parents' rights are fascism, according to this lunatic. Yeah, there's no actual
2: explanation of how this is fascism. No one actually has read a history book and had, had wrote, read about the rise of fascism in the 20s and the 30s excuse me, the 20s and the 30s in Italy, in Germany, across several European nations. No one has actually taken the time to read the specific histories and, and qualities and characteristics of fascism. So it's the big buzzword. Anything they don't like, anything that opposes their political agenda, it's fascism. It's terrible. See, if I call it a Nazi loud and long enough that everyone will hate it just as much as i do because they won't let me talk to kids about my sexual preferences
1: here's another example i'm going to keep doing this this is an elementary school teacher who did a full video with like edits and music and the whole nine showing off the pride library in the elementary school and they have books about z slash Z-er pronouns the ideas that doctors assign a gender and kids can be transgender in their elementary school library
2: It looks like these homosexuals have set up a free
5: library. Let's take a look.
1: And she goes on to show all the controversial books that are in her elementary classroom library. These are the people. Oh, wait, wait
2: now. Hold on. Representative Vernon Vernon Smith from Gary, he says sexual content and gender identity is not being taught in schools. He, he assured us. He, he, I saw him slam his fist down on his desk. He said, it's not being taught in schools. Representative Pfaff from Terre Haute said the same thing. Where is it being taught in schools? Are you telling me that all of these examples are showing that these Democrat representatives in the state of Indiana are full of crap? Wow. What a shocking
1: surprise. Hit us up on social media at Hammer and Nigel. Again, the time to be nice with some of these lunatics These young, young teachers just out of college who need to get validation about their sexuality from your children. The time to be nice is done. It's over. Right.
0: It's time to go beast mode. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
1: Joining us in studio, the traffic Beast. Matt Bear, How are you, man? <laughs> I'm outstanding. Great to be here. Matt's got a little spring in his step today. He's got a little extra giddy-up because a movie we've been talking about for a while is finally in theater starting today, and I'm shocked that you weren't at like a midnight screening Matt Bear, your thoughts on Cocaine Bear? Oh, this is like my uh, <laughs> second trilogy
0: of Star Wars. Here, you know? <laughs>
1: everybody's lined up for that. I'm ready to go
0: see Cocaine Bear. No, I, I was looking at, at the cast of this, and this is like a really
1: good movie. I mean, it has Ray Liotta. There's a lot of good yeah. actors in this movie. Now, it's kind of a parody story, but it's based off of a true story wait a minute it's based off a true story yes yeah. oh
2: yes
0: oh,
1: there yes. was a dude that was uh in the air in a plane and he dumped his cocaine over like a wooded area as you do because the feds were on to him sure we've all been there well guess who found the cocaine matt bear matt bear <laughs> or a bear. a bear and for a couple of hours this bear may have been the most dangerous thing on the planet. Now, it did not go on a rampage and kill people. I think it just had a heart attack and OD'd. But the legend of Cocaine Bear was born, and now there's kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, movie about it, and it's in theaters today.
0: They took their own liberties in this movie, okay, because the bear does attack people, and that didn't happen in real life. I, I think Elizabeth Banks directs it. Um, yes. Just smoking hot. And um, the, the the bear got into the cocaine It didn't attack anybody, but then they made the movie, and it turns out this movie – is is like I don't want to say Oscar worthy. But <laughs> people, people. I mean, it has like an eighty nine percent tomato meter reading right now, which is really good. The I audiences- mean, that's like
2: Castaway. You know, I mean audiences are loving this because it's very difficult to do a horror movie that actually pairs in with comedy there was that weird movie they tried to do that with a while ago it was like I scared of white people or whatever where there's like white people are evil and whatever but this this one this is a comedy mixed with horror that's phenomenal and I'm, I'm just told people are loving it people are going back for seconds and thirds
1: and a lot of people don't know this but our record label hammer and nigel records they asked us to write the soundtrack for this movie <laughs>
0: I'm a bear that snared all the spare <laughs> cocaine. <Yes!
1: laughs> and what's great is we had a bear sing it. Did you catch that? Yeah, you, that it was a, a bear singing the best song. Best singing bear I've ever
2: heard in
0: my
1: life. <laughs> Winnie the, the Pooh Bears.
2: has met his match.
0: <laughs> it's so good.
1: So, cocaine bear. Which, if you want to see the actual. Bear. I think it's stuffed at some sort of roadside attraction in Kentucky. Like, if you go That's down to Kentucky... the best thing
0: I've ever heard. It's such a Kentucky thing to do. I love it. They've yeah. got
1: Cocaine Bear. Right next to one. Crazy Kaplan's fireworks, right? <laughs> it's on the way to Bucky's. you got to stop and see Cocaine Bear. And if you're wondering if there are any promotional tie-ins, because again, I can't believe they didn't ask Matt Bear to be there for the opening screening here in Indianapolis. Uh, there are some promotional tie-ins. Build-a-Bear!
4: Build-A-Bear Workshop and Universal Pictures have teamed up to bring you a fuzzy friend like no other. Introducing Cocaine Bear from Build-A-Bear. It's the same Build-A-Bear you've come to know and love, but this bear is stuffed full of cocaine. <laughs> Customize your cocaine bear with a special message. I am just a
6: regular teddy bear. I am definitely not filled with cocaine.
4: I love you, <laughs> Pablo Escobar. Cocaine Bear from build bear a bear Cocaine not included.
1: The Pablo Escobar was a great touch. Pablo Escobar is the name of my you're, you're Build-A-Cocaine bear.
0: You're trying to buy a Teddy Rupskin. You ends <laughs> 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 up with a, with a
1: Build-A-Bear loaded with cocaine. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Um, Matt Bear joining us in studio, Traffic Extraordinaire. You brought something to my attention this past week that I couldn't believe it. You had never heard of the term beer snake before. Oh, no, this was a a new
0: thing, and and I I didn't know what a beer snake was. I've had a beer bong, uh, two stories, and um, I've done some (laughs) other, you know, the the hat with the whiskey and the cup and and the Coke and all that. I've had that. Did not know what a a beer snake was.
1: And this was brought to your attention because there was an XFL game this past week where the fans were building a big... Beer snake. And what that is, is after you drink your cup of beer in the little plastic cup, you start putting them together, and it gets bigger and bigger, and fans have to start adding and holding it up together. That's called a beer snake. Well, at this XFL game, it was confiscated, and people started throwing things onto the field. Lemons are
0: coming on the field. So
1: what this crew is upset about, you see in the back of the end zone right there, they have a tradition here amongst Defenders fans,
0: and that is they make a beer cup snake out of their <laughs> empty beer cups, and the stadium security took it away from them, so now the fans are it revolting. Like it's
1: now, again, you live a clean lifestyle now, and you yes. look like a million damn dollars, Thank you. but you had never even heard of a beer snake before?
0: I, I did not know what a beer snake was. It just, you know, it sounds like another application for binge drinking for the most part. And and I, I get why they took it away. Because, I mean, you know, think about just doing a beer bong. I mean, that gets you buzzed, just doing one. Or, right. Or, and two, let alone having, like, several beers coming down the beer snake. Because that's what it is, right? I mean, you just hook up a big hose of cups, empty cups, and... It becomes the
1: beer snake, right? Yeah. You drink your beer from the cup, and the cup is now empty, and you just stack all the empties together. And everybody in the crowd adds to it like Legos, and then it becomes this big, massive snake where people have to hold it up. And there may be a little backwash in the cup, so it's dripping on people. And Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: that's okay. how it works. I see. So here's great moments in beer snake history, Matt. This was when, <laughs> at Wrigley Field, the Cubs were playing the Cardinals. The Bleacher Bums in Wrigley— They like to have some beverages. I think this was actually in the other section of Wrigley. They connected the beer snake from the upper deck to the lower deck.
0: The cup snake is still alive.
5: You know, we're told, and Buster, you you made this observation earlier to us in a commercial break, that uh, a lot of beer-soaked fans (laughs) underneath that cup snake
0: some serious dedication because it's being
5: handled and they're being stacked you see this stream of beer coming out <laughs> spilling all over the people underneath it I mean, I think some fans have contributed actually a full or a half
1: beer. And listen to that crowd. The Cubs were down 6 to nothing, and it was like the eighth inning, and you would have thought it was Game 7 of the World Series because they connected the beer cup from the upper level to the lower level. And who was the biggest fans of that?
2: The Cardinals announcers, because I was watching that. I'm a huge Cards fan, as much to Hammer's chagrin. I loved what they were so excited for it. It's the most American moment. It just makes you proud. Red, right, and blue coming out of everywhere.
1: Matt, I think you'll appreciate this one. This was another Wrigley Field moment. The Cubs were playing the Mets, and there was a big beer snake going, and the Mets TV announcer went over to talk to one of the fans who was just absolutely hammered. I want you to listen closely to what this fan says after the announcer says it's only the seventh inning. Can you uh, explain how the snake begins? Oh, for sure, Stevie. First off,
6: I want to say <laughs> hi to my mom, Kelly Johnson, my family, James, Allie, Jim. Love you guys. Basically, the snake starts sixth, seventh inning. Everyone's got a few beverages in. Someone stands up and goes, "Give me your cups! Give me your cups!" You see the snake form up at the beginning. Everyone throws the cups.
1: <laughs> now, what was
6: the eighth inning? Uh, I inning.
1: Seven. Basically the eighth, Steve. Yeah. Basically and the it eighth, goes Steve. All the way up. <laughs> all the way up that's all it It's Pretty simple. That's my favorite part of the whole thing. The announcer tells him it's the seventh thing. Basically the eighth, Steve. <laughs> Don't cut me off.
0: That's like a little backwash beer dribbling on you as you watch the Cubs game. No, that's awesome. And you know, you go to the games, you go to Wrigley Field, you expect something like that, right? I right. Mean, okay, you want to have the fun. You want to do the thing. I think that's great. Be a fan,
1: Matt Bayer, You're the best. Love you guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs>
0: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC.
1: Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige, and let's go to the DriveHubler.com hotline and bring on Tommy Piggott, the RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, number of places we can start. I do want to get your thoughts on the inflation and the economy numbers that have been trickling out today, but let's start with Ohio. This has been a big story this week. Donald Trump shows up, and then it's a miracle the next day, Pete Buttigieg finally shows up. Take me through what you've seen in regards to the handling of this disaster in Ohio.
5: Well, I think this disaster has been defined by Joe Biden and his administration trying to first deflect blame for it and then ignore it. Uh, I think you're right to show that timeline of when Buttigieg actually showed up to Ohio was after he was placed under immense pressure to do so. I mean, the day before he announces he's going, he's saying that to go would just be a photo op. He wouldn't be accomplishing anything. And then literally the next day he says, oh, actually, I'm going. It's too bad it's too late is really the big issue here. It took Joe Biden 19 days to even tweet about it, to have his staff mock up a statement about it that he could put his name on. 19 days to do that. And I think it shows that this administration doesn't care about you, doesn't care about your community if you didn't vote for them. And that's demonstrated by their their lackluster, their lack of response to this devastating crisis.
1: One of the things that I see a lot of people trying to do on social media is blame the crash on regulations from Donald Trump. It's been my Understanding that if you want to have that debate, we can have that debate about what caused the crash. I know there was a report that came out, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But the cleanup is something totally different than the crash. The cleanup lies completely at the hands of the Biden administration, and this has been completely mishandled.
5: Exactly. I think the power of the president is to bring attention to a crisis, to mobilize resources, and to tell Americans that he's listening to their problems and he's handling them biden has done the opposite here you're exactly right to say the issue here is the response to this crisis and when it comes to those regulations i think the democrats that are pushing that narrative which by the way has been debunked a lot of the the regulations they're pointing to would not have affected this crash but putting that aside what that actually shows is that joe biden on issue after issue won't talk about a crisis unless he has a talking point to blame a republican for it this president has taken his habit Of 50 years in the Senate, of deflecting responsibility, deflecting the uh, responsibility for the consequences of his decisions, and he's taken that from the Senate into the presidency. This president takes responsibility for nothing. He doesn't even talk about a crisis unless he can blame a Republican. And I think this whole debate over regulations, which again has been debunked by the Biden administration themselves, shows that biden only cares about pointing the finger not solving problems
2: and this is the same democrat president the same democrat uh, national convention that spent so much time lambasting republicans over their responses to hurricanes katrina ian harvey uh sandy all the way back to hurricane andrew in 92 not to mention when texas froze over for a couple of days there and infrastructure failed and they were so angry that not every republican in a 250 mile radius wasn't descending on the area, and now here we have a crisis that the Democrats should easily be in control of to manage, and they're nowhere to be found. What what does that say about how Americans perceive the Democrats and natural disaster response?
5: I think the question that kind of eliminates this a bit for me is if this was in a blue district, it wouldn't have taken Joe Biden 20 days or so to send an administration official like Pete Buttigieg there to comment on the crisis. It just wouldn't have. And I think any American looking at this knows that, that if this was in the district that voted for Joe Biden, this would have been priority number one for the administration. And instead, because this community did not vote for Joe Biden, it's his last priority. I think it's actually just even to connect this to the border. It took Joe Biden 80 years to get there. While he was president, it took him two years to get there despite the raging crisis. Why? Because he was trying to ignore it. He was trying to deflect responsibility. He didn't prioritize that community. And I think time and time again, Joe Biden ignores these crises unless he can attack a Republican somehow for it. He waits until he has that talking point to politicize it. And that's what I think is happening here. He's putting politics above people.
2: So this is one question that I had to ask here because I've, I've seen a lot of the whole red district, blue district stuff online. So in, in your opinion here as the RNC rapid response director. Do you believe that if this accident occurred in a swing district, that the Democrats would have been on site within the first 24, 48 hours?
5: Well, this is kind of apples and oranges, but think of quickly Kamala Harris reacted to Jesse Smollett. She responded within hours before we had any facts about that fact on the ground, thinking that she could use this politically for her own career. Uh, and then it takes 19 days for Joe Biden to even comment on a natural disaster, uh, not natural disaster, but a disaster in Ohio. I think that discrepancy between how quickly this administration reacts to certain crises and not to others, it, it really invites that comparison. Because what other explanation is there for Joe Biden not even putting out a tweet, not having his staff mock up a few lines to put on twitter for 19 days right 19 days of silence on this and i think he's inviting that comparison so it's it's impossible to have the direct hypothetical but based off of how slow he was to respond here and how quickly he's responded in other instances i think that's the inevitable conclusion or at least the important question that, that's in the minds of a lot of americans
1: tommy pickett rnc rapid response director joining us here on the hammer and nigel show tommy you mentioned kamala harris's name earlier Earlier in this week, she says, quote, we have reduced heating and electricity bills so folks have more money in their pockets. Well, then the inflation report comes out today. And as Mori Povich would say, that was a lie. Take me through what we learned today with the inflation numbers and just the flat out bald faced lie that Kamala Harris told everybody.
5: You know, the, the, the flat out lie that she said was that Biden has reduced Energy prices, utility bills, heating bills, electricity bills, which is just – it is a flat-out lie. I mean, the latest inflation report shows electricity up just under 12 percent, shows natural gas up, shows fuel oil up, energy costs surging. The average family has lost $2,200 on average since Joe Biden took office paying for those increased energy costs. Americans see that in their wallet. And the inflation report today is kind of a wonky measure. It's basically a a quasi-consumer price index. Uh, that, that examines inflation, but it's the preferred measure of the Fed. The Fed looks at this measure, it's called PCE, very closely when looking at inflation. And this inflation report that came out today shows that inflation accelerated from last month. It rose higher than expected, and it shows that inflation, unfortunately, is here to stay. And it's the third report to do so. The third report of inflation this month showing that inflation is accelerating, inflation is here to stay. And meanwhile, while these reports are showing that Joe Biden is going out there saying his economic plan is working, and Kamala Harris is flat out lying to the American people to try to justify their their agenda that's undermining American energy.
1: Tommy, one more thing here before we let you go. Um, The border is still an issue, but I think it's kind of lost its place in the news cycle because of what's happened in Ohio, because of what's happened with Chinese spy balloons and the anniversary of the Russia-Ukraine war. The border has kind of fallen out of the news cycle. But I think a lot of people need to start paying attention again because we're getting close to that time where Title 42 is going to expire. And if I read this right, it sounds like the Biden administration wants to tweak a few things at the border. What are you hearing?
5: Well, thankfully, first, in terms of bringing attention to the border, the House GOP just had a hearing at the border in Yuma, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's notable that Democrats boycotted that hearing, calling it a political stunt, Uh, once again, showing that they don't show up. Joe Biden doesn't show up to East Palestine. House Democrats don't show up to the border. Uh, So Biden right now is is, is basically saying that his border policy is working. He's making some changes in terms of legal pathways for people from certain countries to enter the United States. But unfortunately, for that talking point, and for the American people, it's just wrong. We're seeing really historic levels of illegal immigration. And just to give context for how bad the numbers are, January's number came in a few weeks ago. It was 150,000 illegal immigrants. The number of illegal immigrants that entered the country last month was higher than January the year previous, meaning this year is already set to be worse than last year. And last year, was the worst year on record so i know that's a lot of numbers to throw out just there but the idea that the policy is working would be laughable if it did if it wasn't so disastrous and so destructive for this country
1: tommy Pigott, rnc rapid response director tommy we always appreciate your time here in indy thank you hey thanks for having me it's the hammer and nigel show <laughs> yeah what up this is dr dre the party's going on
0: <laughs> thank god it's friday you're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
1: Coming up just a little bit after 4 o'clock, Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV, will join us. He'll give us the lowdown on if we're going to get some warm temperatures back again. Marcus coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige. Did you ever see the Wayne's World movie? I did see Wayne's World, Absolutely. I think they made two of them. There was Wayne's World and there was a sequel that was nowhere near as good, but they had two Wayne's World movies with Dana Carvey and Mike Myers based off the Saturday Night Live sketch. It sounds like there's chatter. A third one could be in the works here because Dana Carvey posted a picture of him and Mike Myers dressed as Garth and Wayne on his social media we don't know if he's trolling people or if this long-rumored part three is actually going to happen.
2: I got to tell you, I hope it's a rumor. I'm, I'm so tired of endless reboots and coming back for sequels and things that are way later down the line because we have to squeeze a, another couple bucks from it. Just let it go. Wayne's World was great. I enjoyed it. I liked the Saturday Night Live sketch as well, but I, I really
1: don't want to see another one. I, all this time later, I, I got to pass. So, Allison, we were talking during the commercial break. You never saw the movie, but you remember the SNL sketches.
4: Correct, yes.
1: So would that be something that would interest you if they made that into a movie?
4: Yeah, I'd like to see where they would go with it with uh, the boys uh, being a little older now. Right. Uh, Because I do think that opens up uh, new form of comedy. Garth
1: collecting social security possibly. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> like grumpy old man Faking meets Wainsworth. world. I mean,
4: I mean yeah. There's, a lot there's of there's people
1: don't know this but Allison you did an internship with Funny or Die mm-hmm. which is the group that was founded by Will Ferrell. Is that right?
4: Yes and Adam McKay. Yep. Will um, Ferrell
1: and Adam McKay. The people behind like Talladega Nights and things yep. like that. And if you've
4: seen uh, Between Two Ferns which is a big thing with Zach Alvinakis that was kind of Funny or Die's kind of claim to fame.
1: I love Between so. Two Ferns. Mm-hmm. Oh so much. Did yeah. you ever work with Will
4: Ferrell? So I didn't work uh, directly with him, um, but actually, uh, so this was 2016, I want to say. So it was my senior year. I was out doing a um, an LA film program and. Uh, my first duty was um, to uh, write cue cards for Will Ferrell. Really? And I had never written cue cards, and they gave me, like, three poster boards and said, this is what you need to write, and I didn't realize, you know, spacing was all over the place. I, it was, it, I was never so stressed in my life. Did
1: Will give you crap?
4: Uh, no, but uh, he probably should have. I didn't even <laughs> see him. He's probably, like, I mean, compared to, he's worked on SNL, where they have the top you know, cue card people in the world. I mean, it was right. very embarrassing, but I didn't get fired, so...
1: Who else was over there at the time?
4: Um, I was trying to go through it in my list. There's a lot of guest stars, because Funny or Die, they're kind of known for their sketches. So um, at the time, they were working on a big project with Ben Schwartz, who was um, played John Ralphio on Parks and Rec. Okay. Um, so I did work with him a little bit, and um, that's when they started um, Billy on the Street, Billy Eichner's uh, kind of claim to fame as well. Um, okay. I worked on his PR stuff and then um just like random things like Kiki Palmer was in a skit, um Jeanette McCurdy who's they were both Nickelodeon people, so that right. was exciting for me.
1: How was um, your time in California?
4: I loved it. Um I, I I'm one of those people who've always dreamed of, you know, being in movies or Film or writing Or stuff like that Which is how I kind of Ended up here So well, I Was a nice it a nice
1: part Like you didn't have to Walk over bums and feces And stuff to get to Where you needed to go Yeah did you? so
4: since I was Part of this college program They put us in apartments And they were nice apartments And we had roommates And it was in a Um West to Hollywood, so it was. Oh, you heard her; she was hanging out with Jeanette
2: McCurdy from iCarly right. and all kinds
4: I was not of stuff. Out so with them, wow, but I well. was giving her Twizzlers. So was
1: she Sam or Cat? I can't remember. She's Sam. 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 Yeah. Okay. See, I knew that. I think I should get something for knowing that. Yeah,
4: my favorite one though. I was running an errand and I ran into Hillary Duff. And uh, f- growing up, I was obsessed with Liz McGuire. I had the lunchbox, the backpacks, all of it. That's so yesterday. It was amazing. So and it
1: was fun. And I know this doesn't do anything for probably you guys, but she's still
4: hot. Oh, she's still Oh, absolutely. Got it. Are you kidding me?
1: She's still got that fastball, man. She still looks good. Oh my gosh. Good.
4: I couldn't speak to her because I was so scared. <laughs> she's so beautiful. It's
1: the Hammer and Nigel Show.
4: Hammer
0: and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it!
1: Beer Sample Friday. Here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's coming up here in just a little bit. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Tony Kennett is filling in and right now let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on our pal Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV. Marcus just a couple of days ago it was 70 degrees. I walked around downtown without a hoodie short sleeve shirt it was nice and then I woke up today and the first thing I thought was (laughs) who in the hell does Marcus Bailey think he is?
6: (laughs) I get that question a lot. I mean, <laughs>
1: but,
6: uh, yeah, no, I mean, listen, I, but, but I said this uh, earlier on daybreak this morning. I mean, the one thing you got to keep in mind is, I mean, repeat the date to yourself. It's February, right? And we had four above average days. We had a record breaking day Wednesday. You mentioned it 71. We still were in the sixties yesterday. I think if you're going to have, one cold day, and then the rest of the week be not only above average, but above average, you're going to take that. So I just said, hey, you know what? I know it's Friday, but take your medicine one chilly day, and then we bounce back again this weekend. I don't think it's all, all too bad.
1: Boy, the words you just said right there, take your medicine, those ring loud in the hammer house because my oldest gets these migraines that are caused by crazy drops in pressure, like when the temperature drops, then it goes back up. When we see big-time swings like that, the pressure changes, and it just beats him like a drum, man. Well, I
6: would assume then uh, that, that it's been rough probably, what, the last few weeks because The pressure, uh, what we have gotten over the last few weeks, you've had these big ups and downs with temperatures, and where you can really tell where you know you're getting some big pressure swings is winds. And we've had, what, I think four weeks in a row now where we've had wind advisories. I think even one week we had a high wind warning when we were expecting wind gusts over 60 miles per hour. Uh, And so, yeah, that's what you get. You get these wound-up storm systems, which – Luckily, we haven't had any severe weather with, but we've had, you know, pretty decent rain. But man, the wind's been the big story. And then obviously the big, the big temperature swings as well. But I tell you, that the pattern that we've been in has been more impressive just because it has been so consistent this entire month. I mean, it's just been basically rinse and repeat uh, since uh, late January.
2: And it's one of those things that it's not just the, the, speed of the wind, but it's changing all the time with all of these pressure and storm systems moving through. I was on a walk with my wife and kid uh, earlier this week, and the wind was blowing out of the west like normal, and uh, we're so we start walking down the trail, and after a few minutes, it starts blowing out of the southeast, and and for those who know how weather works, that's unusual, and it was very concerning for a few seconds. Well,
6: sure. I mean, to your point, I mean, the, and these systems that move move very quickly, right? And uh, I, I, just a case in point with Some of the rain and the thunderstorms that we had on Wednesday, I think they were they were clocked at like 60 miles. I mean, those things are flying. Right. Um, You know, so uh, when you get these kind of wound up systems are just wound up real tight. You've got a real quick change in pressure from the center of that storm system to the outskirts of the periphery of it. Um, You know, you're going to get those extreme not only changes in wind speed, but like what you mentioned, the, the, the extreme change in the wind direction as well.
1: All right, Marcus, let's get down to the nitty gritty here. Um, I'm going out to a high school basketball game tonight. This weekend, we've got the girls state finals here in Indianapolis, and maybe some folks are going out to see cocaine bear. So for whatever you're going out to do, what are we looking at for this weekend?
6: Uh, There's one minor concern that I do want to bring up for the weekend Mm. forecast, and that is it's not much, but I think in the overnight hours tonight, somewhere, you know, between midnight and maybe daybreak tomorrow. So around, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, we're going to get this just kind of there's a very light drizzle chance. But my concern is that we're going to be hovering around freezing. And so we could have that possibility of just kind of a little light glaze of freezing rain. But, you know, I've mentioned to you guys time and time again, it does not take much freezing rain to create, you know, create big issues. If you're going to be traveling overnight, like I said, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I don't think you're going to get any advisories out of or anything, but if you are doing some overnight or early morning travel, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Outside of that, the weekend looks pretty good. Just like the last couple of weekends, you know, the last few Fridays, we've been chilly tomorrow. I think outside of the early morning trouble that we might have, it's going to get sunny. It's going to warm up. I have a high of 50 tomorrow. Mm. And then Sunday, I think a lot of the day is going to be dry we do have a warm front that's going to come in, so that's going to help boost the temperatures. Again, to Tony's point, it's going to shift those winds to the south. It gets a little breezy. Uh, we get up to fifty-five for a high on Sunday, but that's also going to pave the way for another one of these round-up systems, it can bring rain, maybe some thunderstorms. I think it's probably going to be another wind advisory type day on Monday. We're going to be in the mid-sixties, guys, on Monday. Um, but again, you're probably going to have a a kind of an all day kind of rain event where you may get some pretty heavy downpours and maybe a few gusty thunderstorms on Monday as well. But again, outside of today, if you're not a big fan of the cold, we should bounce back pretty nicely starting tomorrow.
2: You know, one real quick question I've got on that, that slight chance of freezing rain in there. Do you think the ground is still cold enough for some of that freezing rain to stick? Or do you think after this crazy week, it's warm enough to shrug that off right away?
6: Well, the concern, it's a good question. So the concern would be, the, the actual what soil temperature no but the concern is pavement right, right? because and that's gonna because we're so chilly now and we're going to be you know hovering around freezing i think that's going to be plenty enough you don't need more than a couple of hours uh if you're cold enough to get those pavement temperature sidewalks driveways you know bridges and overpass specifically um that could be just cold enough if you get a little bit of that light glaze. Uh, That could cause some problems. So that will be, you know, that's going to be kind of the concern for the
1: overnight. All right, it wouldn't be a conversation with Marcus if we didn't bring up the Indianapolis Colts. Marcus, of (laughs) course, a big fan. Um, When I say the name Jim Bob Cooter, what runs through (laughs) your mind, Marcus?
6: I'm uh, I'm on the wait list for all uh, (laughs) that all t-shirts that are going to be made by all of the fantastic vendors around Central Indiana. I know there are some great ideas and. I'm
1: going to buy all of them. He that's, is the new it. offensive coordinator, and I know him because he's a Tennessee Vol, and I'm a Rocky Top guy, okay. and uh, he was a volunteer. He's got a relationship with Peyton. He was actually okay. one of the quarterback coaches during Peyton's final couple of years here in Indianapolis, so yes, I'm all in on Jim Bob Cooter. All
6: right, let me ask you this in a in a truly professional question. <laughs> <laughs> Is it it a good hire, though? Because you you know about him a little bit,
1: then. So if you're going to get a young quarterback, this Mm -hmm. is probably your guy. Because he was Jacksonville's guy that was in charge of getting Trevor Lawrence up to speed. And once you kind of get rid of that crazy year where you had Urban Meyer down there, Trevor Lawrence really turned a corner and had his coming out party so to speak this year in the playoffs so if you like the progression that Trevor Lawrence made this is the guy might take a year with a rookie quarterback but this is the dude in JBC we trust
6: (laughs) anybody making those t-shirts I will wear that proudly in Lucas Oil Stadium get them
1: going there's so many (laughs) things I want to say right now but I'm just going to say thank you for joining us Marcus Bailey meteorologist for (laughs) Wish TV we'll see you guys have a good weekend (laughs) you got it Uh, Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige here. Does this do anything for you? Marianne Williamson. She's coming back for more. She ran for the presidency in 2020, and she is kind of the kooky, spiritual uh, sorceress, if you will, that believes everything can probably be cured by some incense and maybe smoking a jay. Does this move the needle for you, Tony? Kennedy? I love
2: this so much. Marianne <laughs> Williamson is just an absolute, she's a cocaine bear of the spiritual <laughs> insane politicians. Uh, she is, um, so this is a presidential candidate, by the way. Th- for this the is Democrats. one of her Yes, for one of her famous quotes, one of the Democrat candidates' quotes. Love is all around us all the time. It shines like a pigeon in the moonlight. <laughs> love is the ether that we swim in. Love is the amniotic fluid of the soul. <laughs> wow. And she said that after someone asked if she loved Bernie Sanders.
1: (laughs) So she is going to try to primary Joe Biden, assuming Biden's in it. He hasn't made it official, but we believe Biden's going to be in it. This means there are at least two candidates for the Democrats, Joe Biden and Marianne Williamson. And if you remember, she was on the debate stage in 2020 and they asked her for her closing statement.
3: If you think any of this wonkiness is going to deal with this dark psychic force of the collectivized hatred that this president is bringing up in this country, then I'm afraid that the Democrats are going to see some very dark days.
1: The dark psychic forces, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) So my question to you is, would you rather have the sorceress there talking dark psychic forces? Or Captain Applesauce Brains that can't walk up and down the stairs of Air Force One. Who would you rather have?
2: I want to see her bring the mineral crystals to the train wreck in East Palestine. <laughs> Be like, we'll oh ward no. off the
1: spirits this way. No, no, no. Okay.
2: Whatever Nigel presents...
0: It depends upon what the meaning of the word is.
2: Yeah. Is this... Anything
1: And this is how we're going to do Is This Anything? Tony Kennett's filling in for Big Nige. I'm going to run some stories by him. He's going to break down the information and tell you if the story is anything or not. We start with this. A woman known as Grandma in the Washington, D.C. area was almost carjacked on her way to chemotherapy, but she fought off a teenager and and then the neighborhood came out to help her out. Apparently, the 15-year-old would-be carjacker left the scene in an ambulance and ended up locked up after other folks came to the assistance. Here's Grandma breaking down what happened.
0: He walked up, talking about, give me your keys, I got a gun. And I said, baby, you better shoot me, because you're not taking my car today. But he pushed me <laughs> to the door, and I got up, and I grabbed him and was hitting him and fighting him. And I said, you're not going to take my car, youngin." And they all came out to help me, and he ran across the street, and that's when they caught him. And I said, oh, you going to jail today. On 22nd Street, he must didn't know where he was.
2: That anything? I love it. I love it so much. There is nothing more enjoyable to me than watching someone who thinks they're going to pull one over, they're going to mug somebody absolutely get the living tar beat out of them, pull down and then get locked up afterwards. That grandma is where it's at. You you better
1: put me down because I'm (laughs) going to make you remember today. I love it. I'm with you on that one. Is this anything? Authorities in Texas released video that shows a good Samaritan chasing down a drunken driver who plowed his rented Jeep at a high rate of speed into a white sedan. Inside was an off-duty cop who died at the scene... The alleged drunk, the 26 year old, stands for a few moments and then tries to make a run for it. And this is the moment that the Good Samaritan caught this piece of crap.
2: You think
0: you're gonna f- leave. You'll kill somebody. Stay right there. You stay right there. You see what you did?
1: That did anything?
2: I am i got to ask you, have you ever thought about what you would do in a situation like that where you see some scumbag who's responsible for something like that run off or drive
1: off? Would you attempt to chase the guy down if it was on foot or in car? I got a temper. I've thought about this. I think it. I wouldn't have a choice. Probably I'd be in. I
2: think a lot of of dudes have thought about this. I have. And I'd like to think, thank God, I've never been in a situation where I've had to do something like that. But in that instance, I would like to think that I would also chase down someone like, I think that's your responsibility as a citizen. Yeah, there's being a good Samaritan and going above and beyond, but... We should be, you know, making sure that no one just leaves a system. I hate it when people pull out their phones to record the crime happening. Right. And they just stand there and watch it timidly instead of doing something to stop the crime, or in this case, stop the jerk from getting away.
1: You see that in schools a lot, when these violent fights happen in school, Mm -hmm. whether it's bullying or a student against a teacher, whatever it is. People just stand around and record it. We're
2: talking about that uh, in-school violence and, and stuff tomorrow on the Tony Kennett Show. So When's the show? Uh, at 1 p.m. tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to dive into all that mess. It's
1: the Hammer and Nigel Show.
2: You're listening
0: to the Hammer and Nigel, Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
1: So we've been spending a lot of time talking about We're the response to the train derailment in Ohio and the subsequent chemical disaster that happened afterward. We spent a lot of time talking about the response. Let's talk about the actual crash for just a moment. The National Transportation Safety Board has released its preliminary report on that derailment and toxic spill in East Palestine, Ohio. Investigators say crew members tried to slow the train down after an overheated wheel bearing set off an alarm alarm After the crew saw fire and smoke, a possible derailment was reported to the dispatcher. The train was traveling at an estimated 47 miles per hour, below the speed limit of 50. At the time of the crash, five of the derailed cars were carrying the highly toxic chemical vinyl chloride, which for whatever reason was burned off to avoid further destruction.
2: So one of the things that you need to keep in mind here is what it actually takes to derail a train. And the answer is not much, but... Not much but. So there were some concerns. First of all, this was an issue with the tracks, that something had been uh, maybe sabotaged or there was maybe a problem with uh, the the right line on the rail. And that that wasn't the case. And it appears here after their initial investigation, especially after what was reported to the dispatch, um, that it was an issue with a brake failing, um, an overheated wheel bearing messing with uh, the brake systems. And this is one of the things that Norfolk Southern has really put off, according to the records, put off upgrading on a lot of their trains over the last couple of years. This is not new, by the way. You see this in airlines as well. A lot of these large corporations and organizations, they don't really feel that they need to do anything to improve a lot of their equipment because that's very expensive, and they're already receiving all of these beautiful big subsidies from the federal governments and state governments where their headquarters are. So they just kind of let things go until eh, you know, maybe an accident happens. Maybe we'll be forced to upgrade it someday, but a little bit of a spill happens what does it
1: matter and i'm not sure if this had anything to do with it or not but this was a really long train too now it could have just been a couple of cars and if this type of accident you know where the wheel bearing overheats causes the crash it is what it is but we're being told this was a really long long train Normally, the type of trains that I get stuck behind when I pull up to a railroad crossing, especially that one on Raymond Street. And I've told Matt Bear about this time and time again because he's my therapist. When I get stuck in traffic, he just has to sit there and listen to me. That train on Raymond Street on the south side, not too far from Garfield Park, man, that thing gets stuck on the tracks every time that it goes by.
2: So back in the day, I used to uh, spend a lot of time in Muncie in the mornings, and there used to be a train that would... Uh, across Tillotson Avenue and would stop outside a McDonald's. And the driver in the morning would get out, the, the engineer would get out of the train, go into McDonald's, pick up his breakfast, and then start the train forward again, and literally, not caring at all that traffic was building up, <laughs> until it's an avenue in a Muncie morning. We had a guy who used to say that he was coming into school late because of that train, only then they found out that he was living on the side of the tracks closest to the school. So, uh, <laughs>
1: It was worth a shot. <laughs> yeah, It was that, totally that, worth a nice shot try. right there. I'm not even mad at him. Uh, So that's what happened with the accident. Now, let's talk about the response. Right. Because Pete Buttigieg went there yesterday, and he told Joy Reid that he was there to get work done. And this wasn't some sort of political photo op. And, of course, Joy Reid buys this hook, line, and sinker because it's the political left. Because a reminder, I'm old enough to remember when Ted Cruz was crucified by the left For trying to flee to Cancun when that big freeze took place in Texas, and rightfully so. And then you had Bush getting ripped for his handling of Katrina, rightfully so. Meanwhile, you've got Pete Buttigieg, who has the laziest response out of anybody to this catastrophe in Ohio. He waits two and a half, almost three weeks to get there, a couple of weeks to acknowledge what went on. And yet, everybody on the political left is pretty silent
2: here. So addressing what Secretary Buttigieg says, we need to look at the words, get work done. And then we need to ask two questions. Number one, when was the work going to be done? And number two, what is this work that's being done? So obviously, he's the Secretary of Transportation. What work is he actually doing? If he's showing up there to speak or to learn anything from the event... I need to know what work it is that you're actually doing. He was doing. working,
1: Tony. He had a hard hat on.
2: Yeah, and he had a Carhartt vest. It was really funny. <laughs> Hello, fellow blue-collar workers. How do you do? And then also there's the win. He's there to get work done that many days, like three weeks, four weeks after the explosion. It's incredible. I am I'm, I'm shocked to see him... Tell Joy Reid that he's just there to get work done, but he couldn't. He was busy taking dates with Chasten and ignoring Daily Caller News Foundation reporters before he finally got around to quote get work done." quote.
1: Meanwhile, you had Joe Biden, who hasn't gone to Ohio at all. At least Pete Buttigieg went there. He was late. He probably did it begrudgingly. He only went because he was getting criticized from the media about it. But he went. Joe Biden went to Ukraine and had this fake alarm go off while he and Zelensky started walking around and the media bought this hook, line and sinker. Listen to the way the national media is carrying the water for that Joe Biden trip to Ukraine. Joe Biden has put solidarity ahead of his own personal safety. Air raid sirens and no real guarantee of security. Has
3: air raid sirens blared? This was incredibly dramatic, Andrea. It was historic as
5: well. Historic, timely, and brave. The first American president to go to a war zone. With no U.S. military presence for security on the ground.
2: American presidents have made dramatic trips before. Nixon to China, Kennedy, Reagan to the Berlin Wall. And presidents have visited U.S. troops
0: in war zones, but never like this.
1: To find a, a day of this kind of presidential bravery in a war zone, you've got to go all the way back to 1864. The
0: swagger of this trip, not just the, 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 the execution, the secrecy, but the swagger of it on display on the streets of Kiev.
1: They're making it sound like he was the president in the movie Independence yeah, Day. Yeah, exactly what who I was walked thinking. up there to fire up the masses to fight for their existence. This is our Independence Day! He went to go get his 10% because he's the big guy, slapped Zelensky on the ass, and they fired off a fake air raid.
2: Also, I'm going to make this very clear for everyone who is listening. The president of the United States was in absolutely 0.00% danger in any way, shape, or form in Ukraine. The last thing, the very last thing that the Federation of Russia would like to do is cause any harm to the president of the United States that would invoke the full military response of the United States. That would be the stupidest move in all of history beyond Pearl Harbor, beyond attacking Russia in the winter on the ground, beyond any blunder that you could conceive of. There is no way anyone, anyone at all, would possibly attack the president of the United States when he was in Kiev.
1: Does anybody buy the story that this is one of the most courageous things a president has ever done? Is anybody buying that? Because we just played you that montage, but then, ha, 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 Karine Jean-Pierre doubled down on it earlier today.
3: I mean, the trip that, President Biden to, to Kyiv, as many of you reported on, was uh, historic. It was brave. Many of Ugh. you talked about how we heard the, the sirens wailing uh, in the background as the president was on the ground. Remember, there was there is no military uh, on the ground in, in Ukraine, U.S. military on the ground in Ukraine. And the president took this trip to send a very clear message, not just to the people of Ukraine, not just to Russia, but the world.
2: Okay, I'd like to point out one thing. How incompetent are you trying to make the United States Secret Service and military look? If the president was actually in some kind of danger, you know who should have been there with him? The United States military. There should have been a contingent. There should have been a small... Goodness, at least give the poor man a platoon if we're talking about protecting the United States in some kind of a war zone or situation. Instead, what you know, Corinne Jean-Pierre is trying to communicate is that the United States military is too stupid to keep our dementia-ridden leader from danger. So either the U.S. let their president go to a very dangerous area and prance around, or alternatively, he was never in any real danger and its political theater.
1: Let's talk about the air raid siren for just a moment, because it's not just me who feels like this was an orchestrated deal, because they had not had that siren go off in a while. And then magically, the time that Zelensky and Biden started walking out together, wow, the siren went off. I'm not the only one to notice it, even those dirt bags at CNN did.
2: Um, I've been here for the past five days. I have not heard any explosions. I have not heard any air sirens until about half an hour ago, right when uh, <laughs>
0: President Biden was in the center of Kiev, as, as Clarissa was was just mentioning.
2: What a coincidence. Yeah, gee whiz. Wow, a shocker. Also, no Russian aircraft sighted over any nearby area for a large kilometer radius. I'm I'm just not buying it. I'm not. And again, if I'm proven wrong, happy to say so. If there was some rogue Russian jet who was going to go in and try to stir something up, okay, but according to absolutely everyone on the ground and in the air, didn't happen. Looks fake.
1: Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige today on the Hammer and Nigel show. In a new poll. of people say they've taken an extended break from social media because it had a negative effect on them in some way. Good for them. Social media is a trash heap. However, the numbers show female boomers in the Midwest were the least likely to get away from social media. Of course,
2: ah, uh, of course. As as you know, I'm I'm on Twitter. I am on the great dumpster fire known as Twitter.com at the Tonus. That is true, and I have some fans, you might say. Many of them from Hamilton County, a few from in the the region, <laughs> the armpit of the Midwest, and uh, there are some very angry boomer women who follow me and spew the most angry nonsensical, blurting, cow mooing that you could possibly conceive of on a day-to-day basis. And I got to tell you, at some point, I really just feel bad for their husbands and their kids if they have any. (laughs) Imagine spending your time, you who are driving home after a long day's work, imagine getting home tonight and deciding to spend hours of your time yelling about Tony Kennett. Imagine, imagine caring that I don't even care. My wife, when she's mad at me, doesn't even yell at me as much as these people do. I I, I got to tell you, man, I, I really wish that social media would just collapse in on itself and would never be heard of again. It is so, so horrible.
1: I'm telling you, Elon Musk would have went down as one of the greatest people that's ever walked God's green earth if he would have purchased Twitter. And then just destroyed it, unplugged everything, blew all the servers up and said, Screw it, we're done here. I like
2: to think there's just a little like USB red button next to his computer <laughs> that just says like do not press. And like every day he thinks today could be the day, and he just presses it and Twitter goes down and, and Facebook and Instagram follow. It's it's the annoying. Hammer
0: and Nigel show. The Hammer and Nigel show
3: suppose we'll meet any wild animals. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have
4: some fun. The dingo ate your baby. And now Hammer and Nigel proudly presents... Damn, nature,
0: you're scary. A 93
4: WIBC. Lions? And tigers?
3: And bears. Oh, my.
1: Dateline Alaska. An Alaska woman is recovering after she was kicked in the back of the head... By a big freaking moose. Sorry, folks. Park's closed. The moose out front should have told you. The moose out front should have kicked you in the head. Tracy Hansen said she was walking her dog last week when she felt something come up behind and just whack her across the back of the head. Quote, I thought someone had not been paying attention and hit me with a bike or something. I had put my hands up to my head and then I'm like, I'm bleeding. End quote. Now there happened to be somebody driving by that saw what was about to happen and recorded it.
5: Oh God! You guys, this moose is chasing this person. Go, love. Dad, go, and should
0: give
5: him a up. Hey, 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 hey! Watch out! Watch out!
2: Oh! Get up! Get up!
0: Go! Go! Get going!
1: Are you okay? Sometimes we have a segment called Great Moments in Shooing Away Bear's History. We may have to start Great Moments in Shooing Away Moose History.
2: Moose moving. Great Moments in Moose moving.
1: Boom. Uh, despite the incident, uh, the woman says she has no plans to stop going on daily walks with her dog.
0: Damn, nature. You're scary.
1: Ugh. Dateline St. Louis. A bear has escaped their zoo habitat for the second time. A second time?
5: The The second time. time.
1: (laughs) A bear named Ben broke out of its outdoor habitat yesterday. Guests and staff were around when it happened, and they were immediately rushed to an indoor facility for about an hour until the bear was secure. The zoo says this is the second time this month that the bear has escaped. The first time, he meddled with the steel mesh of his outdoor habitat, causing the cable to give way. I'm not sure what caused this escape. Additional security was then added to the enclosure, but the bear still got out for a second time.
2: We called it in. They showed up maybe two minutes later. The bear was very calm the whole time from what we saw (laughs)
1: just looked like it was having fun. The habitat we've had since 2016, we had not had a bear escape from that habitat ever until we got Ben, and he's just very curious. Um, Since the last escape, we had actually added some stainless steel clips that are used on cargo ships that have a tensile strength of about 450 pounds. We thought that would do it. We added the clips every about 8 inches, and he still managed to tear some of them apart. How would you like to be at the zoo in St. Louis, Tony? And you look to your left, and here comes big, mean ass Ben come running at you. All I can think of is all our bear does is interfere with traffic. Oh, I see what you did there.
0: Damn, nature, you scary.
1: And because we've got just a little extra time, let's go ahead and do one. Great moments in shooing away bears' history. Yes. This was the guy who slapped a bear to protect his dogs, his girlfriend, and his house. Get back. Get back. Get back. Get back. All right, we're gonna go around the room here. Each one of us is gonna do their best impression of shooing away a bear. I'm gonna start. Yeah, yeah, ah, bear, yeah, ah. Tony, not today,
4: not today. You get yourself not today.
1: Yeah, you've been eaten, Allison.
4: Excuse me, um, bear, bear. You need to go away, bear, bear. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs>
1: It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC.
1: So let's rock. We have almost reached Beer Sample Friday. That's coming up here just about oh, 40-ish minutes from right now. So if you got a beverage nearby, get it iced up. We'll crack that bad boy and we will officially kick off the weekend here in just a little bit. My name is Jason Hammer, producer Allison is here, Matt Cocaine Bear in the Traffic Center, Harrison Newscox, as we've dubbed him, has your news updates, Harrison Silcox, and the Tonus, as he's known on Twitter, Tony Kennett is here. We got a good group of folks here. Thank you for hanging out with us. And now that we've got all the pleasantries out of the way, let's talk about this crap hole of an inflation report. Woo-hoo. Because the inflation report from the PCE, Came out today. Now, this is one of the three groups that really gives you a good feel on what inflation is throughout the country. And it's not good. The cost of U.S. goods and services jumped 0.6% in January, the biggest increase since last summer. Now, the increase in core inflation in the past 12 months moved up 4.7 from 4.6. And if that bad news wasn't enough, we have to make some adjustments here. Prices also rose faster in December than previously reported. This is according to this report that came out earlier today. The annual increase in prices rose to 5.4% from 5.3%. So January was higher than anticipated. And they had to go back and tell you that December was a little higher than they thought too. Here is CNBC's Joe Kernan.
2: I mean, This is still bad. This is as bad as it's been since the 80s, and it's only moderated a little
1: bit. Now, this is so weird for me, Tony, because Kamala Harris just came out this past week and said, we're putting more money in your wallets. All of this talk of inflation, pfft, hogwash. Now, I'm paraphrasing there, but she did say that we've got more money in our wallets. This report from the PCE is basically says,
2: you're a liar. You know, and that's really true. One of the things that that really irks me is that the president of the United States in the midst of several crises has allocated a lot of his communications time on social media and press conferences to basically patting himself on the back. He is constantly found, and of course we saw this in his State of the Union address. He is so excited. He says, oh, we've built back better and and we've, we've put so much, like you said, money in the pockets of Americans and wages are up and the economy is great and everything is wonderful. Now, of course, I'm paraphrasing because the president of the United States can't actually put two sentences together. No, But what we have seen in the last couple of months is a federal government that is not taking this coming economic crisis seriously. Inflation has run rampant. Every time they have put out projected numbers, they have always been worse than the projected numbers, and they are hitting Americans much harder than the federal government anticipated. And it just doesn't seem like they care. They're too
1: busy patting themselves on the back. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, the PCE, viewed as one of the three measures of showing if inflation is getting worse. All three higher than expected from last month. So you can't just say, well, I don't trust this group or I don't trust that group. All three of them said, yes, inflation is still a problem. This is bad news for your average working class family because this clearly shows that biden inflation is still a thing and ever since the biden administration started throwing out free money and they tried to call you call it a stimulus for you this was a way to fight inflation it's been worse wages have not kept up with inflation right. and now it's report after report that shows it's not going away it's still hot
2: And not only the CPE, if you look at the Consumer Price Index, the CPI, you'll notice that food, fuel, and consumables are still increasing by leaps and bounds every single month. And these things are hurting not just... Uh, your average American going to the grocery store, but it's also hurting small businesses because these small businesses then have to go at the end of their day and they have to buy the materials either to sell at their small shops or they have to uh, you know, feed their own families. Therefore, prices have to go up at their places as well. And it's this endless cycle of inflationary grief
1: and the markets reacted swiftly today uh the dow jones industrial average was down it sank uh friday trades down the market heard this report coming out and nothing but bad news the report on the economy today happy friday everybody from and, the hammer and nigel show and
2: we could end there and yeah we could talk about that the impending housing crisis which looks like it's finally starting to get here but i really want to take a moment and express my thanks to all of the small businesses in the local midwest in in Indiana that are trying to ride out inflation and not raise prices. Specifically, I need a haircut really badly. And I'm going to go to the only place that I've gotten my haircut in the last 15 years. It's Castle Point Barbershop in Newcastle, Indiana. And they it, you can see them try so hard not to raise the prices on haircuts a service that you know they have to pay more for groceries just like you and I do so many of these small local businesses are trying so hard to keep prices where they are because they really do value who's your business more than they you know value ratcheting the price up a couple of bucks just to keep
1: up with this insane market nonsense and i get Times can be tough for a lot of people, and you never know what somebody's going through economically in their life. But if you're going to your barbershop, if you're going to mine, Beach Grove Barbershop, I've gone to that place since I was a kid. If you're getting your hair cut and you can tip these people well, do it. Right. Be that person that tips them well because they're having a hard time. The last five years in this country between the lockdowns and supply chain and inflation, it's tough. It's tough out there. So you're absolutely right. Take care of the people that take care of you. It's the way we can get through this thing. Uh, Real quick, this weekend, big basketball game, Indiana at Purdue. Both teams are ranked. Purdue hosting Indiana in the evening. That place is going to be a zoo. Mackey Arena is going to be rocking and rolling. It's a game you can hear right here at 93 WIBC. Uh, John Herrick and the gang have got your pregame coverage. Fish. Has the call tip off around 7:30? The point spread is out. Purdue is a seven and a half point favorite against Indiana, and the over/under is 140 and a half. So here's my betting advice, because I have a lot it. of people asking me. Yeah, about yeah. This.
2: this is what I'm interested in.
1: If you are going to bet Purdue, lock this in right now, mm. because I think a lot of money is going to come in on the Boilermakers at home in a revenge game. That's going to move that point spread up even higher. You want to get the lowest number possible if you're a Purdue backer. If you're betting the Boilers, lock it in right now. If you're going to bet Indiana, wait until tip-off. Right before tip-off or live bet this thing, because I think a lot of Purdue money is going to come in, and then you could probably get a couple extra points. Right now, you're getting 7.5 with IU. I think that's going to go up to 8, maybe 9 before tip off. I could be wrong. It all depends on how the money moves. But if you're a Purdue backer, get in now. If you're an IU backer, wait until game time.
5: Stop,
0: stop, stop, stop. Yeah. stop it. Ow. 93 WYBC
1: it is the hammer and nigel show i'm jason hammer the tonus tony kennett filling in for big nige and right now we're going to go to the DriveHubler.com hotline and bring on the crazy out of her mind coupon lady crystal hammer my better half how are you love i'm doing great i'm excited
3: i get to talk to tony today
1: yeah you actually get to talk to somebody smart is that what you're trying to tell what, me is what? that what's going on here Uh, maybe. You both are
2: about to be so
1: disappointed. Tony, you need to understand, this segment, it's not even really a segment, it's therapy. It's a therapy session for both of us. That's what this segment really become.
2: So I'm supposed to like get on my Dr. Phil voice and tell you to just leave her alone.
1: (laughs) So let's start with something that happened in the bedroom this past week, shall we? And it's not what you think not what you think uh you were asleep crystal and i'm in bed and you know i'm i'm watching the end of a ball game and you fell asleep and then you're having some sort of bad dream or whatever so you wake up from that and you start yelling at me like it's my fault for whatever's happening in your dream so in front of the largest radio audience in indianapolis i'm waiting for my apology from you
3: well, like I told you that night, you can wait all you want because you're not getting an apology from me because I maintain it never happened.
2: Well, what never happened? Did the dream never happen or did the uh, I, lashing out at Hammer had never happened?
3: I don't know. Like, I don't remember any of it. The problem is, is, see, I have to get up very early for my work. Like, I get up at 5 a.m. So a lot of times I'm in bed before he even comes to bed. So I must have been in a sound sleep. Now, he maintains that... I woke up and started yelling at him for different things. And I, the only thing I could come up with was that I was having a dream and I was taking it out on him. He must have he made me mad in the dream. I don't know.
1: Okay, so what I, don't I don't what I can take that. from this, hold on now, what I can take from this is that you admit you were unfairly a pain in the ass to me, but we don't know <laughs> if it was a dream. We don't know if it was something else. All we do know, the common denominator here, is you were a rotten bastard to me the other night. You probably deserved it. Ah, there it is. Um, The crazy coupon lady, Crystal Hammer, is here. Now, when you're not yelling at me for things that I did not do, you are a money-saving machine. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty here. What are some deals that you got for us this week?
3: Okay, so you're going to um use your kroger app where you're going to find coupons in the kroger app that you're going to use for these products also you're going to be using the ibotta rebate so if you don't have ibotta um, you'll want to download the rebate app on your phone um and look for these uh deals um but i'm going to show you how you can get some breakfast items and some soda for almost 68 to almost 70 percent off
1: let's do it let's do it
3: okay So the first thing I got is the Pop-Tart Bites. Now, we like those because it's easy, it's quick. We can, you know, give the kids a bag in the morning. Because both of our boys are not really breakfast eaters, but it's something to get them a little bit, you know, to eat before they go to school. Yeah, grease the wheels. (laughs) What's that?
2: Yeah, that'll grease the wheels.
3: Right, exactly. It gets it going. Um, They are regularly $3.99 a box. They're on sale for $3.49. But in the Kroger app, you have a Kroger digital coupon that you can clip that saves you a dollar off each box up to five times, making them just $2.49 a box. But we're not done. Then you're going to submit your receipt to Ibotta to get 75 cents per box back, making them just $1.74.
1: Now, keep in mind, this is not just your Kroger rewards card, your Kroger plus card. This is the actual app that you have to get these coupons from, right?
3: It's the actual app, and there's, I mean, it's real simple. As soon as you pull up uh, Pop Tart Bites, the, the coupon will be right below it, and all you have to do is just hit the word clip, and it's automatically on your Kroger card so that when you type in your phone number or if you give them your Kroger, um, savings card. Once they scan it, it, the coupon will automatically come off.
2: And then you have to send that receipt over to Ibotta. My mother-in-law is obsessed with Ibotta. She'll come over to our house, like make the trip over from Illinois. And she has like 36 watermelons shoved into the back of their minivan. She's like, oh, I got it on Ibotta. It actually cost me $2.16 for these 75 watermelons. She's the lady out of the math word problems. It's nuts.
3: I mean, Ibotta has saved me a lot of money this past year. I can't complain. I mean, I've saved over $2,000 in groceries. I mean, I got $2,000
1: in groceries. And this is stuff that we actually use, too. It's not like she's hoarding a bunch of, you know, vinegar or watermelons (laughs) in the back. Uh, We're talking Pop Tarts here. We're talking frozen pizzas, things that are staples, part of the food pyramid in the Hammer House. Part of the American Foundation right there. That's right.
3: Right. And you know, kids are going to be on spring break soon, so these are great treats. You know, having the house for snacks or breakfast when they're home from school. So
1: now, before we get into the next deal, Crystal, let's have real talk here. And Tony, I want you in on this too. Pop tarts, frosting or no frosting, and do you heat them up or not? Because I am a big believer of just opening up the pop tart box, grabbing them out, and eating them. I can't remember the last time I actually heated up a pop tart.
2: I'm going to go, I'm going to really throw it out of the park here. I like the chocolate brownie ones, and I like to crush them up over ice cream.
1: Oh, okay. Diabetes. Oh, I see yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on I, here.
2: I, I'm going straight to the
1: hospital with that one. Crystal, where are we at here?
3: I just open them up and eat them straight. I, I've, I don't think I've ever heated them up before.
1: Yeah, I've heated know- them up before. The cookies and cream ones, if you heat them up, that's kind of like a dessert one. I sure. could heat that one up. But if it's blueberry, if it's strawberry, if it's cherry or whatever, I'm just opening that bad boy up.
2: Now, this is important. Yeah. Now, you guys are talking about heating them up via the toaster. Did you know on every box of Pop-Tarts, there is a set of microwave instructions to microwave a Pop-Tart? <laughs> now, here's the catch. No. And I kid you not, please check this if you're you know walking through Kroger right now. Look at the box of Pop-Tarts. It says microwave on high for three seconds that is on the box of pop-tarts so i guess you know if you have three seconds to spare you can microwave your pop-tarts
1: crystal have you ever put butter on a pop-tart
3: i have not put butter on a pop-top it's so so
1: freaking good oh no no (laughs) all right what else do we got
3: (laughs) um i also have some um cereals uh uh, you could get the cocoa pebbles and didn't you put cocoa pebbles up your nose one time when
1: you were younger No, 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 no. That was Cocoa Puffs. I put Cocoa Puffs up my nostrils just to see how many I could get in there, and then they got stuck. And then my mom came by because I was kind of frantic, and the way that she got them out was she just squeezed my nose. (laughs) Until, like, a mixture of, like, snot and chocolate was running down my mouth as a kid. Like, I'm crying, I'm yelling, and that was the way Mama Hammer did business.
2: I was worried for a second that, talking about Cocoa Pebbles, they're much smaller. I was worried that you were, like, doing a line of Cocoa Pebbles like it's cocaine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Going full Scarface on the Cocoa Pebbles.
3: (laughs) Okay, well, the Cocoa Pebbles, Fruity Pebbles, or even the Honey Bunches of oats. They are normally priced $3.99. They're on sale for two forty nine, But if you clip the Kroger Weekly Digital Coupon and you can uh, get up to five boxes, you can get them for just $1.29. That's like 68% savings.
2: I'm not just saying this because I'm on the radio, but those are actually my two favorite cereals, Honey Bunches of Oats and Cocoa Pebbles. So, uh, and You can verify that with my wife, Ministry of Truth, on Twitter. <laughs> um, she'll, she'll verify. Those things are delicious, much better than any fruity nonsense.
1: And you said well, you had some soda for us as well, right?
3: I, I did. So the Starry Lemon Lime, or the it's formerly known as Sierra Mist. Right. Um, <laughs> they are on sale for three. You can buy three of them for $14, which makes them about $4.67 a 12-pack. Wow. But you submit your uh, receipt to Ibotta, you're going to get $2.50 back per 12-pack making it just $2.70 for or I'm sorry $2.17 for 12 packs.
1: And this is what used to be called Sierra Mist and now it's called yeah. Starry for some reason. Yeah. Is it the same yes. flavor or is it It's the same yeah. thing. It really it's is. The same thing. They put lipstick on a pig here. It tastes the exact same. I've had it. Yeah, but
2: I'm not putting lipstick on a pig up to my lips. That ain't ain't going.
1: (laughs) Well, you didn't grow up in Beach Grove now, did you? (laughs) Sorry, Thurston Howell over here is refusing to take part in the Starry experiment. All right, fine. All right, Crystal, if anybody's got any questions or they want to reach out to you for some more deals and savings, how do they find you?
3: They can find me on social media. Just search my name. It's spelled C-H-R-Y-S-T-A-L, just like the stripper.
1: Just like the stripper. Crystal Hammer, the crazy coupon lady, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hammer and Nigel. Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've
0: got going in this crazy world. On 93 WIBC.
1: It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hanging out with you on a beer sample Friday. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Tony Kennett's filling in for Big Nige. So let's start with China. With China. A wise man once said the Chinese are up to something. And (laughs) I can't help but think this is the case here. So China, who's a firm Russian ally.
2: Not just a firm Russian ally. They have a signed alliance with the nation of Russia.
1: All of a sudden they want to be peacemakers. They are calling for peace talks. They want ceasefires. Uh, They've got a 12-point proposal to end the conflict here. So what's going on here? We all know China is not in the peacemaking game. China is a great ally to Russia. What's with the peace talk?
2: I see three angles here. You have the economic angle, you have the political capital angle, and then finally you have the espionage angle. So first of all, the easiest one is economics. It is not actually beneficial right now for the country of China to be dealing with all of their buyers currently at each other's throats. That's less people to buy cheap Chinese products. China likes it when people buy their junk. They like being mass exporters of this junk to the world, especially with how and uh, unstable the Chinese economy is right now. This is something that
1: they kind of can't wait
2: too much longer on.
1: Because this plan was issued this morning by the foreign ministry, and it also urges the end of Western sanctions imposed on Russia – Measures to ensure the safety of nuke facilities, the establishment of humanitarian corridors, the evacuation of civilians, yada yada yada.
2: See, that's the political capital angle. Because one of the other things that China really wants to do here is make themselves appear a leader on the world stage. So when they engage with more Tom Effery, let's call it, <laughs> they basically get to say, "Well, no, we're these really fantastic peace negotiators." This is what the United Nations does, by the way. They'll do some really shady nonsense, but they'll also pass a resolution for super duper pronoun rights and all other kind of super special stuff. So they get to kind of be hypocritical and get away with it.
1: And it's similar to what this country does, where you have one piece of legislation and it's got a headline on it, in this case, ending the war. But once you read what's in it, once you go down the list, Uh you find a bunch of ridiculous bullcrap. Ron DeSantis caught that in Florida with the African American Studies course, which, oh, by the way, happens to have queer theory in it as well.
2: We're talking about that a little bit more in detail on the Tony Kinnett show tomorrow at 1 p.m. The last angle, I think, that's the most important here is the espionage angle. So, China has not been able to overtly provide aid of any sort to the Russian Federation. If this 12 point plan is enacted, China will be unfettered in providing whatever kind of aid, military or economic, that they want to China. And in doing so, will be able to operate in private diplomatic channels with Russia that are normally not allowed by the UN. So, this allows China and Russia to become even closer bosom buddies. And also, nothing in this 12 point plan says that. Russia needs to give Ukraine back the land that's rightfully its territory. So China's pulling the wool over everyone's eyes.
1: So what you're saying is, we shouldn't trust China?
2: I know. It's it's a
1: crazy concept
2: here, but China cannot be trusted, (laughs) they're ruining everything yet again. Huge.
1: Tony Kennett, in for Big Nige, and we got some legal stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. Did you see this horrific story that took place near a suburb of Orlando a couple of days ago? Some scumbag shot a bunch of people at random, killing three of them, including a nine-year-old girl and a television reporter who was there covering some of the previous gunfire. He was there doing his job, and this piece of human excrement kills three people. And he gets taken into custody. Well, now, Tony, the body cam video and audio is out of the arrest of this guy. And I'm going to play you this audio here in just a moment. But I am so happy that police officers have cameras on their vests now. Mm -hmm. I love this because for so long, it felt like people who are anti-police, never police, F-12, all cops are bad, these people, they would always claim, well, because cops don't have cameras on, they can kill us whenever they want. They can do all this ridiculous stuff. More often than not now, all of those ridiculous claims get taken away because the officer's body cam vindicates him when the truth really comes out
2: yeah and it's one of these things when we're taking a look at as we're going to take a look at this Orlando body cam footage in which the cops were doing everything that are right and this scumbag this scumbag who just shot a 9 year old girl um who had also just shot a tv reporter starts whining and saying oh no i can't breathe stop and he starts pulling the whole george floyd routine and yet you can see on these body cams the cops aren't hurting him at all
1: no, they're helping him up. He's perfectly fine. So this is the audio, and again, there's some strong language. We've bleeped it out, but listen to what the suspect keeps saying over and over again. Get no, no. on your face. Get on the ground. Get on, on your face. Get on your face. Get on your face. On your face. Oh, oh, oh. They're, they're killing,
0: killing me. They're me. Roll the me. They're killing me. They're killing me. You know they're killing me. Let me go. Hold on. Hold on.
1: Hold on. Hold on. I got a it. Relax, man. All
0: right, we got to secure. Relax. All you guys coming up. Relax. From the other direction. Relax. That way, that way. Go
6: secure that
0: whole area.
6: I can't
5: breathe. I can't breathe.
1: Everybody down there needs to be. I can't breathe. He walked up from down there. I can't breathe. I
2: can't breathe. You are breathing. I can't breathe. We're
1: going
6: to help you up, okay? I can't breathe. Roll him on the side real quick. I can't breathe.
1: So, I don't claim to be a doctor, Tony, but if you can say I can't breathe like 40 times in a row while you're clearly breathing i think that may be a lie oh,
2: yeah i can't breathe inhale i can't breathe inhale exhale inhale yeah i'm not i'm not buying it i'm really glad that the cops you can hear how just tired of him they are already it really shows restraint on these officers who are tackling who are getting this scumbag arrested safely who has again just caused this wanton display of garbage violence in the orlando community and these cops aren't giving him the business so to speak they are not beating him
1: there is not a knee on his neck there's not an arm on his neck nobody's got him in a chokehold he's in handcuffs on the ground almost
2: seems like the orlando police department is uh doing their job and protecting the community
1: and as horrific as the george floyd video was now that was an example of the body cam getting the officers in trouble and rightfully so Mm -hmm. as horrific as that was What we're seeing now is everybody trying to use that same type of defense. And I know defense probably isn't the right word I'm trying to find here. But you heard that guy right there. He was perfectly fine. At no point was his life in danger. They were helping him up, for God's sake. At no point could he not breathe. But if body cams did not exist... And this guy's claim was, they beat me. I couldn't breathe. It only takes one person in that community who just hates law enforcement to back up his story. One of these officers might lose their job.
2: You know, and it's really a, a really good point to make that I'm glad that officers have this stuff to fall back on, especially with all of the political accusations that can be made, but also the communication in general regarding uh reporting an individual for sexual assault or something like that, that you're actually able to go back and say, no, I have here where I was on this date, on this time. I hear all the messages. Here's all the camera footage. No, this individual who's making this claim is full of garbage.
1: More legal stuff. Dateline, Pennsylvania. A man in Pennsylvania facing charges after he called 911 because he was the victim. He was hit by a baseball bat after he broke into his ex's house at 3 a.m. <laughs>
2: Play stupid games? Win
1: stupid prizes. That's
2: right. I, I absolutely love all of the whining on social media. When someone <laughs> goes to rob somebody else, someone does some kind of nonsense, and uh, they, they claim like they're the victim. Like, I tried to mug him just because I wanted this flat-screen TV in their house, and yet yet they, they shot me, or they hit me with a bat. Oh, it's incredible.
1: So, we've got time for one 911 call. Great moment in 911 call history. Tony, we're going to do Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, do okay. you want to hear the guy that called 911 because he was high? Do you want to hear the guy that called 911? Uh, I'm sorry, the woman that called 911 to report somebody having relations with a tree? Or do you want to hear the intoxicated woman call 911 requesting a firefighter come by with a big hose?
2: I want to hear someone describe someone have relations with a tree.
1: <laughs> we can make that happen. Here we go.
4: Um, there's a guy out on the street and he is like really screwed up. I don't know if it's like bath salts or what it is, but he's trying to get into my neighbor's car. He ran up on us. We have children. He's talking about he's God. He's like obviously tripping. He's in my neighbor's yard. His pants are down
5: or? Jeff, he is trying to (laughs) a tree.
1: (laughs) And that's how it's done, Tony. That right there is how it's done.
4: (laughs)
2: Right
3: now! Hammer and Nigel present! Beer! Sample!
2: Fry. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on
6: sale, people. Come down, get you some.
1: Oh, yeah! This is what we've been waiting for. Beer Sample Friday, brought to you by our friends at Thompson Furniture and Mattress down in Columbus. Listen, if you need anything for the homestead, whether it's a couch, whether it's a recliner, whether it's a tempur mattress that raises up and goes down and has a massage feature on it like I got, that's the place you go, ThompsonFurniture.net. And in a world, Tony Kennett, where everybody is jacking up prices, Thompson Furniture still has free delivery and setup if you live within 75 miles of their store. So, thank you to Thompson Furniture. You ready to try something with me here?
2: Sure am, Sam.
1: So, go ahead and uh, tell the masses here what I just put into your hand.
2: Well, we've got a Sun King Brewery electric reindeer ale here. A brown ale with ginger
1: and molasses. Refreshing, smooth, Sun King Brewery. Listen to that voiceover right there. Like, how are you not doing commercials and stuff? This is uh, electric reindeer deer brown ale ginger and molasses again this is a sun king product uh, we've got the can here 12 fluid ounces so let's go ahead and crack this bad boy open shall we that's the weekend right there that's what starting an iu purdue weekend in indianapolis sounds like right, right there. take a drink tell me what you think oh wow that's got some flavor to it. it. It seriously is like a root beer. I really notice it, notice the molasses. Yeah. right here, like that sticks out to me right away.
2: I love ginger though. I do. I, ginger is my favorite flavor, and so feeling that come through again. This this doesn't. I, you know me. I'm not the world's biggest beer guy. Right. Uh, but I this t- I'll finish this man. This like really, it's like a uh, kind of like a low level uh, ginger ale or a uh, root beer. It's fantastic.
1: You're such a ginger fan. You will only listen to Ed Sheeran. That's what you're telling me.
2: Ah, uh, let's not go that far now. I don't. I don't support the uh, British Isles. Else.
1: What's what's on the playlist of Tony Kennon when the Tonus wants to crank up some jams? What's on the playlist?
2: Oh, uh, let's see. Um, uh, oh, you, you're putting me on the spot here. Fleetwood Mac, uh, a lot of. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm trying. Are you a to, classic
1: rock guy? I are am you like an like '80s classic, new wave punk guy? I am. I'm a, cla- guy? I'm a Phil
2: Collins guy. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a classic rock guy. Um, really, that kind of a, a vibe gets me going.
1: See, my playlist is so all over the place. I love old school Las Vegas Rat Pack with like Frank, Dean, and Sammy playing at the Sands. And then I can also go NWA and Dr. Dre.
2: See, I also like a lot of uh, late 90s and early 2000s alt stuff as well. So like Paramore and stuff like that, my wife and I really enjoy. I
1: go hairband. I can do pretty much everything, really. I really can.
2: Oh, yeah. Guilty pleasure, though, for me is Jason Mraz. I can sing about all of his stuff. I can't really explain why.
1: (laughs) Uh, Before we wrap up this break, last segment. We had Choose Your Own Adventure. You wanted to hear the 911 call of the woman reporting somebody having relations with a tree. I still want to play this one. I know this is not the segment, but can I please play the drunk woman that called 911 requesting a firefighter because something was on fire? Now that I
2: have something to sip, absolutely. Hello?
3: Hi, Port Clinton, please. Yes, I need the fire department, please, because my... On fire! I need my phone! Sure <laughs> is there working? <laughs> Hello? Is that <there> a working? <laughs> what is on I fire? Need. I need the fire department because my <laughs> is on fire and I need somebody to come put it out with their phone! <laughs> okay, I need
5: the um, address.
1: <laughs> so she hangs up and calls back. <laughs>
3: Hi, Port Clinton Police. I'm at Courtney Lawley's house, and I need you to come put my out because it is on
1: fire! Where's Courtney Lolly live? Great moments in 911 Call History and Beer Sample Friday all coming together. Tony Kinnett's in for Big Nige. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.